Welcome to Holy Prophets Radio, a business show that applies God's Word to your work. Discussing business basics ranging from starting your own company to complex human resources challenges. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule, archive shows, helpful downloads, and much more at leadingforachange.com forward slash radio. Now, get ready to take your company to the next level by applying biblical truths to your work with Holy Prophets Radio, hosted by Bradley Waldrop. Good morning. Welcome back to Holy Prophets Radio. Last week, we talked a little bit about God's plan for the startup business. We had a great time walking through the first chapter in Genesis, and I would invite you to go ahead and go back to facebook.com forward slash Holy Holy Prophets and uh, join in the conversation about the topics we discussed there. If you are interested in the schedule for the show and upcoming uh, guests, we've listed some on leadingforachange.com forward slash radio. And today we're going to go from the creation era into the patriarch era. And in the patriarch era, we're going to dig into the Bible and we're going to pull out some golden nuggets that apply directly to leadership. And we're going to look a little bit at Abraham and leadership do's and don'ts. We're going to apply those directly to your business. So if you don't know much about the patriarch era, the patriarch era is uh, with the main character of Abraham. It is in the first portion of Genesis. It's a chapter, well, it's a second portion of Genesis, uh, chapter 12 to 24. There's a lot of text that's been dedicated to Abraham and um, the nation of uh, the Hebrew people, and uh, we're going to go through that, and uh, we're going we're not going to read it certainly word for word. We're going to just go through it and highlight some of those key components, and then we're going to try to figure out how to take that example of leadership and apply it to our businesses. the The life of a patriarch is an interesting life. If you consider what a patriarch is, it's the father figure. And the father figure can occur in families, it can can occur in communities, and and certainly those founders of companies are viewed as the patriarch for a lot of folks who participate in the business. The patriarch doesn't get there by accident. The patriarch uh, ends up being the patriarch because they have uh, some really great qualities. And you can tell you have a patriarch in an organization when one uh, either moves on to another company, uh, moves to a different organization, or unfortunately may pass uh, from the organization themselves. And if you have that uh, patriarch there and and, uh, those changes occur, you can tell they were a patriarch because everybody in the business or everybody in the organization is sort of looking around for that next best leader. Well... Most of us don't understand how we become a leader. Oftentimes we end up as a leader by accident. And then once we're that leader, we're trying to figure out how we can become the patriarch leader. So we're going to go through that sort of special sauce and discuss it. But I want for those folks who are listening to be able to think back and try to figure out whether or not you are a leader. If you're a leader, look around, people are following. If there's no one following, you're not a leader. But what I would say is that there are lots of folks who are leaders and they may not even realize it. 
There are brothers and sisters who participate in the family and provide leadership to their siblings. There are aunts and uncles who provide leadership to their nephews and nieces. There are grandparents who provide leadership. There are there's our fathers and mothers and families. But if you're in a business, uh, oftentimes supervisors become those leaders. There are even at every tier of an organization you have leaders that have individuals who are following them. They believe in something and they move it forward in the organization and individuals buy into what they're doing and, and follow them along. Well, if we look at Abraham himself, you know, uh, the, the, the components of leadership are certainly there, but I wanted to just spend just a couple minutes on who Abraham is. He's a man of promise. Uh, the the beginning of his story in the book of Genesis essentially has this really great promise of God to him who says, if you obey me and you venture off into the, la the land that I will give you with, without detail, then you're going to be blessed and those folks who bless you will be blessed. However, those that curse you will also be cursed. There is a really great promise in all of that and that is obedience to God's word and being trusting of God's plan for your life. Well, Abraham lived 175 years. And in that life of 175 years, he was a husband, he was a wealthy farmer, he was um, a father, he was a follower of God, and he had his wife stolen twice by rulers, and uh, given back to him. There are, there's a lot of drama in his life in 175 years. He's been through wars and um, moved into new territory that he didn't know before. He had to leave his mother and his father and his, and his home. He is sort of a quintessential leader because leaders are often very lonely. Uh, at the top of an organization, they, they don't have a lot of people around them uh, that they can confide in. And uh, I think that if you look at Abraham, he and uh, God had a very special relationship in all of that. And Abraham has this sort of special sauce that makes him a great leader. That special sauce includes three things. It includes skill, it includes character, and it includes good habits, good behaviors. I want to be able to highlight a few things that are good examples for us, some things to do and some things not to do. Of the, to, of the not to do, I do want to talk about one of the habits that he had or one behavior he had, and that was uh, being disobedient and not being trusting uh, in certain circumstances, and I think that we all struggle with that. But I, I wanted to touch on first the fact that Abraham is a really good example of a servant leader. I think that the society now has kind of transformed this term servant leader from what it originally intended and that was to be able to serve a higher purpose, serve your mission statement or serve God in your business and has transformed it to sort of turn the organization structure upside down and, and say that um, we have to give up on our values to serve those under under us in an organization and that is not servant leadership servant leadership is to be able to take the power that you have in serving your very large organization and delegate it to the staff so that they can get it done 
But if you look at Abraham himself, he was a servant of God. He wasn't a servant of the people. And he served God by taking care of God's people. So he really does show us what that quality looks like to be the servant leader. He had three things kind of going for him in that servant leadership, or to give you some context, he had a condition, and that was that he was alone. If you look at that first chat or the first bit of chapter 12 of Genesis, you see that he was asked by God to leave all that was familiar with him or familiar to him. He was alone. He didn't have the support structure that a lot of us have with our families around our normal homes and our communities. Um, Abraham was out on his own. He had his family with him, uh, but it was different than living in an environment where he, he felt really comfortable. He, um, in addition to that, he had a purpose. His purpose was to serve God. His purpose was to pay attention to what God's plan was for him and his people and follow through on that. And la the last bit, there were, there were consequences. And there, were, there are always consequences to our decisions, and Abraham is no different. Um, and there were blessings and there were curses. So you know, he, he shares a lot of those same traits that those of us who are in leadership positions have, and we're going to talk about how to take that servant leader component and put it right into our own business uh, in a little bit. He also has character. If you look at where he was and how he lived his life in, in this 175 years, and there's a lot of text there. We could talk about this for weeks. We're not going to. Uh, but it, he was um, two things, if you look at his character, that we're going to talk about today. First is he was separated but not isolated. He, he didn't get involved in the drama that was around him with other tribes and other nations, other cultures. He... He wanted to um, make sure that he didn't get entangled in all of that, and he only got entangled when his nephew, Lot, needed rescuing. Um, he, he stayed away from all of the skirmishes and, and the wars to be able to focus on what God's plan was for him. So he was separated, but he wasn't isolated. Uh, he, he made sure that he was set apart, but he didn't, um, he didn't put up walls around him uh, to not interact with the, the local community. He was independent, but he was not indifferent. And that means that he did form local alliances to protect the safety of the Hebrew people, but he didn't adopt their culture. Uh, you know, we, we live in a, a very broad culture now where there are lots of different influences, and um, we can certainly be challenged when it comes to being indifferent. Um, so what I would say is, is that if we look at Abraham, he was independent but not indifferent. That means that, that he did act on his own. However, he needed to make sure that he had these alliances well-structured around him so that he could use the resources of, of those other relationships around him to get to protect his people and deliver on his promise to God to be the father of the Hebrew nation. And then the last bit, is bad habits. Um, bad habits are really interesting. All of us uh, suffer from some sort of bad habit. And I can certainly understand where Abraham was in the, in the particular bad habit we're going to talk about. Uh, for those of you who don't know the story, Abraham was married to Sarai, and uh, God later changed her name to Sarah. But he promised both Sarah and Abraham, God promised both Sarah and Abraham a son, and they were well along in their years, close to 100 years old, uh, and there was no child. 
So Sarah was anxious to have a son, and in her anxiety to bring uh, forward a solution rather than wait on God, she actually asked for Abraham to take one of her servants, Hagar, into as a concubine, and they ended up having a child named Ishmael through this relationship. The hope was that Ishmael would be raised as Sarah's son rather than Hagar's son, and there was a lot of tension between both Sarah and Hagar about Ishmael. So much so that when Sarah finally did get pregnant and um, had a son Isaac, then uh, the Hagar and Ishmael were asked to leave the community with God's blessing, but leave the community. And all of that drama that occurred because we we see in here that both Sarah and Abraham were not willing to sit and wait for the promise that God gave. We see that there is this uh, there's a consequence to that, and this is a long-standing consequence. If you look, this long-standing consequence is actually still in play. It is the consequence of having uh, tension between the Jewish folks and uh, the uh, the Arab nations. This tension occurred because Sarah and Abraham didn't want to sit and wait for God to make good on his promises. What's interesting about that situation is that God then started to test Abraham's faith. Along the way, as Abraham was moving from place to place, Abraham would continue to honor God and build altars and worship and sacrifice to God. After Ishmael and Hagar were asked to leave their, the, the family unit there and move on uh, somewhere else. Then Abraham was challenged by God, and this challenge was to sacrifice Isaac, sacrifice that son that was the promise to both Sarah and Abraham. And I can't, as a father, I can't even imagine what it's got to feel like to have to be obedient to God and take your child to an altar for sacrifice. God delivered this a sacrifice and saved Abraham from having to sacrifice his son and, and thereby saved Isaac at the same time. But, but what it did do is it demonstrated Abraham's faith in God and, and the test was passed. So if we look at this bad behavior, what we see... In, in the bad behavior is this, this desire not to be patient for God and to understand there are significant consequences when we are disobedient. With all of that, what we're going to do is we're going to run to a break right now, and then after the break, we're going to look at how we can apply all of those features that we just discussed to your business. Welcome back to Holy Prophets Radio, where we're talking about how to apply God's Word to your, to your work. And we're specifically talking about the patriarch era and Abraham, how to take the leadership qualities and the lessons that we learn from Abraham and apply them directly to our business. 
Today we're going to uh, talk a little bit about skills, we're going to talk about character traits, and we're going to talk about some habits that you can get into to take these same principles and apply them to your, to your work. If, if you weren't with us before the break, we did say that, that Abraham had the character traits and skills and habits that include servant leadership and his obedience to God. He has character that says that he is separated but not isolated. He's independent but not indifferent. And then he has a, um, a habit uh, in, that he shows in here that uh, he was not being, he's not willing to be patient. And that patience or lack of patience had lasting consequences in his business. And uh, we'll talk about how we can apply that lesson learned without having to do it ourselves, um, which is the beauty of looking back at the Bible and historic characters and finding out what they did and what the lessons were there and how to apply them to what we do on a daily basis. So let's take the first one uh, of skills at, as the outset here. In order to really understand what this means, is, and that skill was servant leadership and obedience, every leader in today's business world needs to figure out how to follow as well as lead. Uh, following is a skill and leading is a skill but in order to be a good leader you have to be a good follower and that follower if uh, everyone has a boss of some sort if you uh, don't think you have a boss then I would ask that you dig deep into the Bible and try to figure out uh, what your meaning in life is and what your purpose is uh, and then I think you're gonna find that you have a boss uh, but whether you work for a board of directors, you work for a supervisor, you work for a CEO, a, a controller in a company, you have to learn how uh, to follow as well as lead. Now, we need, in, in order to be those good leaders and be servant leaders, we need to really embrace the mission and vision of the organization. We are really serving the mission to accomplish the vision. That is what we're asked to do as the leader in an organization. We need to be able to buy into the purpose of the business. We need to know why we exist, why we go to work every day, why we open the door every day, uh, why we ask our clients to come in, what we're expected to, to provide to them, and what that mission is. We need to know what it is, and we need to serve that mission. That means that everything that we do, we need to start to challenge the decisions that we make against whether or not it's beneficial for the mission of the organization. As that leader, we need to be able to clearly articulate what the vision is to everyone that's on our team. We need to be able to reach down into uh, the formative documents in an organization and try to figure out what that means to the individuals on the team and how they can participate in delivering on that mission. We should be asking ourselves every day what tasks, what communication, what planning do we need to do in order to accomplish the mission? Who needs to be on the team and what do those individuals on the team need to do so that they can be part of the solution? We need to also not be beholden to the people on the team what we're trying to do is we're trying to empower the people on the team that does not mean that we sacrifice what is valuable and good for the company we need to be able to show that the staff that we have is well equipped we need to make sure that they understand the vision and we also as the leader need to understand that they're gonna they're gonna make some mistakes along the way 
However, as a good leader, we're going to be there to pick them up. We're going to be there to educate them and fill the gaps that they might have, whether it's an educational gap or some sort of commitment gap, and uh, get them involved in the organization. Maybe it's a, a way of finding a an opportunity for them to be able to do some training in-house. Maybe it's an opportunity for them to be recognized for, for some uh, good choices that they've made and some progress, but it's results-driven. We need to make sure that we are holding our, our organization, everyone in the organization, accountable to the results that we that we have in order to get to the mission. We, we need, as the leader, to establish what the metrics are, to show what success is, and hold people accountable to doing their job. When they fall short, grace and mercy are, are wonderful. I, I think that those are very applicable and they have a place in, the, in work. They do not, um, they do not trump the, the need to have results in an organization, though. And uh, so as a leader, you're responsible to be able to prepare individuals to be able to deliver on their mission. On the character side, we need to be separated but not isolated, like Abraham was. That means that there's, there's a lot of drama in business nowadays. There's drama in the office. There's drama with our competitors. There's drama in society. There's drama in the news. All of that drama can really sidetrack us from the mission that we're on to deliver for our customers. We need to be able to find a way to filter that out and focus on delivering beyond all of the chatter. We need to tend to our own knitting, so to speak. We need to be able to pay attention to what we're responsible for and, and simply do deliver on what we're responsible for. We, we can worry about other people's actions, but we cannot change their actions. We can coach them to do the right thing, but we can't ultimately do it for them. What we can do is we can control our own behavior, we can control our own actions, and we can be responsible for those things for which we've been asked to deliver. So the character traits of being separated but not isolated really mean to, to tend to your own knitting. It means that when that drama reaches a crescendo, we really need to pay attention to the things that matter to the business, not that matter to um, trying to feed our need of, of being involved in the drama. Uh, we, we need to really focus on those pieces. The third point I'd like to make, and in, in the second in the character trait, is to be independent but not indifferent. What this means to me in business right now is that we need to really be tethered together to individuals for financing partnerships, delivering on our on our supplies that need we need in order to deliver for our customers. But we need to make sure that we don't buy into culture in an organization that we don't believe in. It's a good idea to form these alliances as necessary, but we need to pay attention to God's guidance here in that we need to be what they call equally yoked if we're going to come into partnership where individuals share in the benefits of our own company, whether they be financial benefits or some other social benefits. What I mean by that is that, that uh, if you're a, a follower of Christ, don't, don't go into partnership for work with someone who's not. 
the set of core values that you have are completely and totally different and it will create strife in your organization. There's nothing wrong with using them as a supplier, being their friend, and enjoying a relationship with them, but don't tie your wagon to theirs uh, and, and that you, you don't want your financial fortunes and your financial future to depend on a set of core values that you may not share. So be very careful when you are going into partnership with individuals for financing um, or, or just as, as a part of the business. You also need to be well equipped for war. You need to focus on these, these solid relationships and key partnerships. Part of the operational component of every business is this internal process that we need to understand when we have trusted relationships for, with individuals who are providing us goods and services. We want to be able to have them be our allies. We want them to be able to deliver for us in the middle of the night sometimes uh, or to be able to call us and give us bad news early on in the process. That trusted relationship is super important. We need to make sure that we are independent, we act independently, but we are not indifferent to the fact that there are lots of businesses that compete for the same customers that we have and those relationships that we develop in our partnerships, in our suppliers, in those individuals who actually deliver the services for us, in our employees, those are paramount in being successful in business. So we need to really pay close attention to those relationships. So, so far, we need to make sure that we're the servant leader and obedient. We need to kind of really pay attention to those character traits that have us separated but not isolated and independent but not indifferent. And the last piece are our habits. We need to really keep executing the mission so that we can realize the vision. We need to have patience. And that patience is, is important because when we first sat down, we had a vision for our company. That is a long-term vision. We want to make sure that we have the patience we need in order to deliver on that long-term mission or long-term vision. And we want to be very deliberate in the decision-making along the way. The last piece to that is that we need to really pay attention to the fact that we need to be tested and we need to test those around us all the time to make sure that they're on task. So what I want to tell you is that you know there are practical ways to implement that. Find a peer group. Find a way that, that you can be held accountable in your organization and, uh, and lean into other leaders. And next week, join us as we'll be discussing how how we can expand our business into new areas and we're going to apply the Exodus era to that particular piece of our business. You can download the notes from today's show, subscribe to the podcast, and join in the discussion online at facebook.com forward slash Holy Prophets. Thank you for listening to Holy Prophets. Don't you worry, don't you worry, child. See, heaven's got a